0: Hey everybody, welcome, 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 welcome back to the uh, podcast here at Gary Talks 2. You know, we're the only podcast that is absolutely guaranteed or double your money back to make you smarter and even better looking. So we here at the uh, Gary Talks World Headquarters are all hoping that you had a uh, most enjoyable holiday season no matter how you celebrate christmas or hanukkah or kwanzaa or dancing naked under the moon and howling like a wolf whatever floats your boat but we're back to serious business now it's time to start thinking about uh, the shit show that's heading our way oh i'm sorry the election of 2024 that's heading our way so so we're starting uh, the new year here at uh, at the gary talks world domination headquarters by going back in time back to a uh, a time just after our civil war if you recall that's the whole point of this uh, exercise here in the podcast is to show the parallels between the past and the present and how uh, they're really the same just uh, people dressed differently and have better guns. So volume two of my uh, historical fiction series, Journey, the story of an American family, ends just as the war draws to a close, the Civil War. So that's where we go next, as we follow our characters through our shared history. And as usual, I will, again, be making the point that today's headlines only mirror the headlines from back then, As it relates to race in this country, there really is nothing new under the sun, is there? So uh, why don't you hop aboard and let's go take a look at an issue that is very much in the headlines today as it was then and for the foreseeable future as the election draws near. Okay, is everybody uh, safely on board? Good. So let's start the year by taking a hard look at the 14th Amendment, shall we? It's everybody's favorite, apparently, these days. That particular amendment has been brought up here before in the series of podcast chats about the years that preceded the Civil War. Today, however... And since it is very much in the news and au courant, as it were, let's take a a quick look at all five sections. Section three is the one that's getting all the press lately, and the others are a little jealous. It's getting all this press because it's never needed to be applied before, since we never actually had an insurrectionist and trader run for high office before. So, I want to go through the other four sections first and save this one, the third, that is being argued in the courts, in the press, and in people's living rooms across the country, and we shall see some of the consequences of getting it wrong will be very, very severe. So let's get started with the first. Uh, first. The opening sentence of Section 1 of the 14th Amendment, the very beginning, nothing precedes it, legally defined U.S. Citizen, citizenship, for pretty much the first time. Nobody ever thought it was uh, required. And it was very simple. Quote, All persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States and of the state wherein they reside. End quote. Seems pretty simple to me. This is a very simple statement had the effect of undoing Chief Justice Roger Taney's, the uh, John Roberts of his day, Roger Taney's uh, noxious Dred Scott decision of 1857 that wrongfully and hatefully decreed that no black person had a right to citizenship anywhere in the United States, even if they were born here. Even if their parents were born here, and yes, even if their grandparents had been or born here, so no citizenship for you. This Dred Scott determination was based solely on race. Of course, there was nothing in the law about who it pertained to, other than people born in the U.S. They were citizens by birthright. So clearly, Dred Scott was stating that no black person was actually a person in the eyes of the law, a law uh, coincidentally determined by white folks. So when the Civil War finally ended, it was obvious that the rebellious South would need to have it spelled out for them in the clearest way possible. And that opening to the first section does just that. It is not subject to interpretation at all. It is in plain, easy to understand English. All persons born in the United States were of the United States, period. Section 1's next clause was again plainly put and easy to understand. Quote, No state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States. End quote. There you go. And like it or not, Black people were full-fledged citizens. This greatly expanded the civil and legal rights of all American citizens by protecting them from infringement by the states as well as by the federal government, or at least it was designed to by the crafters of this document. Then, as was discussed in an earlier episode on the effects of racism, along came the uh, Supreme Court with the infamous Plessy v. Ferguson in 1896 that decreed that, quote, separate but equal, end quote, was not a violation of this clause, leading directly to the Jim Crow laws that flourished for so very long, to our great shame. The third clause of Section 1 reads, quote, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. End quote. That expanded the uh, the due process clause of the Fifth Amendment to apply to the states now as well as the federal government. And again, those uh, some of those states didn't really feel like it applied to them. So, uh, you know, write it down in crayon and little little words, easy to understand. So, Section Two of the Fourteenth uh, Amendment repealed the three-fifths clause of the uh, original Constitution, which is shameful in itself, counted uh, enslaved people as three-fifths of a person, but only for the purpose of apportioning congressional representation. With slavery outlawed by the 13th Amendment, this clarified that all residents, all residents, regardless of race, should be counted as one whole person. Wow wasn't that nice of the white folks. You can imagine, uh, if you will, how much this particular passage inflamed the Southerners who had just lost a war based on their racial hatred and nothing else. Uh, Sorry, Nikki Haley, but uh, it was about slavery. This section also guaranteed that all male citizens over age 21, no matter their race, had a right to vote. All male citizens. However, as we all know, Southern states continued to deny black men the right to vote using a a collection of state and local statutes during the Jim Crow era brought about by Plessy v. Ferguson, as mentioned above. Subsequent amendments to the Constitution granted women the right to vote and later on even lowered the legal voting age to uh, 18, which I was very in favor of. I got to make uh, my first vote at about 19 or so, so that was great. Anyway, let's take a, uh, let's take a short break, and uh, we will be right back. Okay, as, uh, as promised, we are indeed back. So let's continue on with our look at the suddenly very relevant in our world today 14th Amendment, which was passed, don't forget, in 1868, a long time ago, when it became uh, necessary to spell, out, to spell out the obvious to that large group of losers who thought that they could just break up the union because they were being victimized and weren't being treated uh, with the respect that they deserved. Snowflakes. They were snowflakes. That, uh, quote, victimized thing has a suddenly familiar ring to it, doesn't it? Seems every MAGA-Nazi in the country is proclaiming their victimhood and that they are being treated with contempt by the uh, popular culture and the press every single day. Ah, must be tough. Maybe they should start asking themselves some very hard questions in that regard but I feel very confident that they would never do such a silly thing, is that would actually require a lot of serious thought and personal integrity. So that's not going to happen. Anyway, I digress yet again. So back to the 14th. We're going to skip over Section 3 uh, and come back to it at the end. So it saved the very best for last. So Section 4 states that the... Quote, Validity of the public debt of the United States, authorized by law, including debts incurred for payment of pensions and bounties for services in suppressing insurrection or rebellion, shall not be questioned. End quote. Most historians believe the clause was intended to ensure the federal government would not repudiate its debts. As a Surprise, surprise, some former Confederate states had done after they lost their stupid war. Now, who would have ever seen that coming? A bunch of arrogant, rather shallow, and stupid people cause an armed insurrection against the United States that resulted in around 600,000 deaths and the destruction of cities and towns across the South, and, and then they don't pay their debts? Hmm. Who'd have thunk it? Anyway, it also prohibited payment of any debt owed to the defunct Confederate States of America and further banned any payments to former enslavers as compensation for the loss of human, quote, property, which is the uh, enslaved people. Here's the funny part. The dumbasses had a chance before hostilities to get compensation for their property when the parties were still trying to find a peaceful solution. They got several offers from the uh, federal government. But no, a lot of uh, what were called back then fire breathers said they had a a right to do whatever the hell they wanted. And what they wanted was to enslave U.S. citizens and then leave the Union. Like I said, dumbasses. The uh, fifth and final section of the 14th Amendment wherein it says, quote, Congress shall have the power to enforce, by appropriate legislation, the provisions of this article. Echoed a very similar enforcement clause contained in the 13th Amendment. And here's the key. In giving Congress power to pass laws to safeguard the sweeping provisions of Section 1 in particular, the 14th Amendment effectively altered the balance of power between the federal and state governments in the United States forever. Renegade states would no longer be able to use the law to terrorize its citizens, or at least that was uh, in theory. But we all know how well that worked out, don't we? And nearly a century later, Congress uh, used this authority in a good way to pass landmark civil rights legislation, including the Civil Rights Act of uh, 1964 and the Voting Rights Act of 1965. So we'll be back in uh, just a moment. Okay, now it's time uh, for the big one, for Section 3 to be considered here. And I would be willing to wager bigly that very few people knew much about this particular passage until recently. Why should we? It never came up before. And once again, it is written in very easy to understand English and really doesn't leave a lot of room for interpretation. Unless, of course, you're an attorney with an obese orange weirdo for a client, as is happening. Let's take a look and you'll see what I mean. Section 3 of the amendment gave Congress the authority to bar public officials who once took an oath of allegiance to the U.S. Constitution from holding office if they, quote, engaged in insurrection or rebellion, end quote, against the Constitution. Very clear, very simple, easy to understand. You will notice that the word convicted is nowhere to be found except In the fevered imaginations of a lot of uh, mega nazis and their lawyers the intent here was very clear to prevent the president from allowing former leaders of the confederacy the traitors to regain power within the u.s government after securing a presidential pardon and the president at that time one uh, andrew johnson was a true dirtbag who almost certainly would have allowed traitors back into government. He was very sympathetic, especially if he could profit by it in some way. That was not exactly a shining example of what a president should be. It goes on to say that a two-thirds majority vote in Congress is required to allow public officials who had, quote, engaged in rebellion end quote, to regain the rights of American citizenship and hold a government or military office. And that's not something brought up much, but that's the uh, case. It states that, quote, and you probably heard a lot of this being quoted lately, but I'm going to do it again, so take a sip of wine. Quote, no person shall be a senator or representative in Congress or elector of president and vice president or hold any office, civil or military, under the United States or under any state who, having previously taken an oath as a member of Congress or as an officer of the United States or as a member of any state legislature, or as an executive or judicial officer of any state, they took that oath to support the Constitution of the United States, shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same, or given aid and comfort to the enemies thereof, end quote. And there it is again, folks, that pesky word, engaged. Not convicted of, not charged with, just engaged in the insurrection, and even a true maggot knows that uh, little dirty Donny was actively engaged in the entire conspiracy from day one, and then the attack on one six. So that's going to be it for this episode. Um, I know you were hoping against hope that there would be a raving political rant at the end, but I'll I'll save that one for next episode since I went a little bit long today, and it is the first one. so, But tune in again. I'll make up for it. Don't you worry, none. I hope that uh, what we talked about here today made you uh, scratch your head a bit, unless you have dandruff, of course, Then I hope it didn't. But seriously, you should educate yourself further on this very, very important issue. The dear leader has already said that he won't respect the outcome of the twenty-four election if he doesn't win. So right there. When he was in office, he broke his oath a million times. And don't kid yourself. He will not leave at the end of his term if he's elected, but will instead declare that he is president for life and the succession will inevitably go to the uh, cocaine aficionado known as DJ TJ, a true moron if there ever was one. So thank you very much for tuning in to the first episode of the new year. 2024 is going to be pivotal in a big way to the entire world. And you, yes, you sitting right there can help it to have a positive pivot by firstly voting blue in every election, everyone. We must win back the House. We must expand the Senate majority and then make it mansion and cinema-proof at last and let people's voices be heard for a change. This uh, minority rule thing is a real pain in the butt. So if you would like to have your voice heard here, right here on this very podcast, drop me a line at thepodcast at gvbrights.com. That's thepodcast at gvbrights.com. Or just go to the website at www.gvbrights.com, take a look around, take a look at the mentoring stuff I do, the books I write. And then you can use the, uh, the contact page to send me a note. Either way, doesn't matter, I get them both. So I will leave you with this absolute truism. If your vote is not important, why do the MAGA Nazis want to take it away from you so badly? That, my friends, is something to think about. So I will see you soon. Adios, amigos.